How many of you out there listening have ever read the Old Testament? Particularly certain books like Daniel and Isaiah. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. And I want to show you quite a few scriptures that you may never have seen before. And that's what I like to do on this podcast. So let's start with Matthew 24, verse 29. And many of you have heard me speak about this particular verse before. But it's going to lead us into the uh, passages I want to reach in the Old Testament. Here's the way it reads in the NLT, the New Living Translation. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give or will give no light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And it has an asterisk. That asterisk, asterisk says, see Isaiah 13.10. All right, so we'll go there. Also, 34.4 and Joel 2.10. 13.10 of Isaiah says this in the NLT. The heavens... Oh, wait, I want to back up one to verse 9, chapter 13. For see, the day of the Lord is coming, a terrible day of his fury and fierce anger. The land will be made desolate and all the sinners destroyed with it. The heavens, verse 10, will be made, or will be black above them and the stars will give no light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will provide no light. And then 34.4 of Isaiah says this. 34.4, Isaiah. The heavens above will melt away and disappear like a rolled-up scroll. The stars will fall from the sky like a, like withered leaves from a grapevine and shriveled or shriveled figs from a fig tree. And next we'll go to Joel 2 and verse 10. Hosea and then Joel 2.10 <clears throat> says, The earth quakes as they advance, the heavens tremble. The sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars no longer shine. Now let's go to Daniel 7 and verse 13. Ezekiel, Daniel 7, verse 13. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man, which would referring to Jesus, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One and was led into his presence. Now let's go to Zephaniah two, um, 1, starting in verse 17. Because you have sinned against the Lord, I will make you grope around like the blind. 
Your blood will be poured into the dust, and your bodies will lie rotting on the ground. Your silver and gold will not save you in the day of the Lord's anger. The whole land will be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. He will make a terrifying end of all the people on earth. Does that mean everyone? Well, I think there'll be a few left because Jesus said in Matthew 24, starting in uh, verse 20, and pray that your flight will be will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened. Why? For the sake of God's chosen ones. He's choosing people out to prepare them for their place in his kingdom. And that kingdom is coming, according to Daniel chapter 2. Let's go there. This, as you know, is um, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the first one he had, where he saw the big statue, he had a head of gold, and the, uh, the chest of and arms of uh, silver, and then the belly and thighs of brass, and the legs of of iron and then the feet of partly of iron and partly of clay. So I want to skip down to Daniel's interpretation of the dream. So let's go to verse 31. In your vision, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge shining statue of a man. It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were of silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze, and its legs were iron, and its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. As you watched, a rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of, the, of iron and clay, and smashed them to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. Then the wind blew them away without a trace, like chaff on the threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. That was the dream. Now we will tell the king what it means. Your majesty, you are the greatest of the kings. God of heaven has given you authority, excuse me, authority, sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you ruler over all the inhabitants of the world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. You are the head of gold. But after your kingdom comes to an end, Another kingdom inferior to yours will rise to take your place. After that kingdom has fallen, a third kingdom, represented by bronze, will rise up to rule the world. 
following that kingdom, the fourth kingdom, there will be a fourth one as strong as iron. That kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires. In other words, it's a world-ruling government. Just as iron smashes and crushes everything, it strikes. The feet and toes you saw were that were a combination of iron and baked clay. This is to show that this kingdom will be divided. Like, like iron mixed with clay, it will have some of the strength of iron. But while some parts of it will be as strong as iron, other parts will be as weak as clay. This mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage. But that won't work. They will not hold together just as iron and clay do not mix. Now get this one, verse 44, Daniel 2. During the reigns of those kings... The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock cut out of a mountain, though not by human hands. This is the God of heaven doing this. That crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. This is about prophecy. This is prophecy. The dream is true and its meaning is certain. I mean, wow, that's, uh, that's a big deal. We don't hear about that from the pulpit much. We really don't, and it's a shame, because this is prophecy. This is what it's about. It's about the future. We hear about Christian living a lot. In fact, almost exclusively and ubiquitously. Joel 2 and verse 30. Did we read that already? No. 2.30. In those days, well, 20, 29, in those days I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. Well, his spirit is necessary for the kingdom to have the right attitude and the right spirit about each and every individual on earth. And I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke, Get that? Columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn to blood red before that great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. Unquote. That, well, actually, verse 32, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved for some on Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape just as the Lord has said. These will be among the survivors whom the Lord has called. Unquote. At the time of those events, this is chapter 3 of Joel, verse 1. At the time of those events, says the Lord, when I restore the prosperity 
of Judah and Jerusalem will I gather the armies of the world into the valley of Jehoshaphat, where I will judge them for harming my people, my special possession, that would be the Judeans or the Jews, for scattering my people among the nations and for dividing up my land. Here God is predicting that his land will be divided up. And that's exactly what has happened and can, will continue to do. Verse 40, or no, verse 4. What do you have against me, Tyre and Sidon, and you cities of Philistia? Now, that's along the coastline of the nation of Israel. Or at least for the time being. Are you trying to take revenge out on me? If you are, then watch out. I will strike swiftly and pay you back for everything you've done. You have taken my silver and gold and all my precious treasures and carried them off to your pagan temples. You have sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks so they could take them far from their homeland, but I will bring them back. And I will pay you back for everything you have done. I will sell your sons and your daughters to the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the people of Arabia, a nation far away. I, the Lord, have spoken. Say to the nations far and wide, get ready for war. Call out your best warriors and let all the fighting men advance for the attack. Hammer your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Even train your weaklings to be warriors. Excuse me, to be warriors. So here God is calling the warriors that surround Jerusalem to war in the valley of Jehoshaphat. That's not a good, good, uh, good thing. They're all going to die. But what is this darkness we keep hearing about? Well, let's go to Second Peter three ten for a moment. Just to give you a little context, it says, 2 Peter 3, verse 8, But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't being slow about his promise, as some people might think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone everyone, including you and me, to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the very elements themselves will be, or will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be, uh, be found to deserve judgment." Other manuscripts read, will be burned up. One early manuscript, it says here, will be found destroyed. Let me tell you something about fire. It doesn't leave much of any value. It really doesn't. So, 
But we still have the issue of the darkness. I want to find the scriptures that forecast that. So let's go back to Isaiah. The Old Testament has a lot of value that we don't see if we don't read it. And that's why I think we need to. And many of my listeners have heard me talk about this before, but I don't want to read the whole thing. Let me just start in verse verse 5. And when my sword has finished its work in the heavens, it will fall upon Edom. Now, Edom is the Middle East, and particularly, um, or more particularly, it's in the region of uh, Jordan and Turkey and Syria and Lebanon and all around Jerusalem. The sword of the Lord is drenched with blood and covered with fat, the blood of lambs and goats and the fat of rams prepared for sacrifice. Yes, the Lord will offer a sacrifice in the city of Basra. Now, in the Middle East, there's actually at least two Basras. One of them is in Jordan. The other one, I believe, is in Iraq. Uh, The one in Iraq is about a city of 600,000. That's a big city, really. He will make a mighty slaughter in Edom, even as or even men as strong as wild oxen will die, and young men alongside veterans. The land of the or will be soaked with blood, and the soil enriched from fat. For it is the day of the Lord's revenge, the year when Edom will be paid back for all it did to Israel. The streams of Edom, verse 9, will be filled with burning pitch, and the ground will be covered with fire. Well, the fire is burning something. What? The pitch. Burning pitch. This is the land, uh, the judgment of Edom. This judgment on Edom will never end. The smoke of its burning will rise forever. Unquote. That's what's going to cause this darkness. It's going to fill the atmosphere of the earth as the earth rotates and turns with smoke. Do we need further corroboration of that? Okay, well, let's go to the other end of the book, to Revelation chapter 9 and verse 2. Well, let's see. Let's start in 1. Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen to the earth from the sky, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. In the Greek, it's um, the abyss or the underworld. But anyway, verse 2. When he opened it, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace, and the sunlight and the air turned dark from the smoke. Now, you can't get any clearer than that. That's the reason for the darkness. And you can go over all the scriptures about darkness, and there's nothing more clear than that. 
Now let's go to uh, Jeremiah 4, verses 27 and 28. Another Old Testament verse, which nobody reads anymore. Hardly anybody, except for my listeners, they probably do. You guys are kind of the core um, believers, if you ask me. Not that I want you to believe me. I want you to believe your Bible. Um, Jeremiah 4, 27-28. This is what the Lord says. The whole land will be ruined, but I will not destroy it completely. How clear. The earth will mourn and the heavens will be draped in black. Because of my decree against my people, I have made up my mind and I will not change it. I know that this is heavy, but there are better things to come. For example, and I just want to put in a little bit of encouragement here because that's just a lot of pretty heavy stuff. But there is a better day coming when, as Daniel predicted, God comes to live here, rule and reign, take over all the governments of the earth, and bring peace. That's what's really happening here. There is a God, and he is coming back, and he will set up a kingdom, and he's going to need people to run that kingdom. That can be you and me. That's the design that God has in mind, it seems to me, based on his scriptures. But dig this. This is verse, uh, or chapter 35. Even the wilderness, this is verse 1, even the wilderness and the desert will be glad in those days. Doesn't that sound good? I think so. So far we're off to a great start. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. You know, that's why I love camping so much. The kids are out having a romp and they're playing around and having fun and chasing each other and just having a ball. And you can hear the sounds of that. And that's what camping is for me. It's a refreshment to see these youngsters having so much fun. And I remember those days, believe it or not. Anyway, yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon and as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those of, uh, with fearful hearts, be strong, don't be afraid, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies, and he's coming to save you. Wow. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf, the lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth 
in the wilderness, and streams will fill, or I'm sorry, and streams will water the wasteland. The parched land or ground will become a pool, and the springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh grasses and reeds and rushes will flourish where desert jackals once lived, and a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named the Highway of Holiness. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. It will be only for those who walk in God's ways. Fools will never walk there. Lions will not lurk along its course, nor any other ferocious beasts. There will be no dangers. Wow, can you imagine living in a world like that, where there are no dangers? Wow. Only the redeemed will walk on this road, and those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy and sorrow and mourning will disappear. Wow, that's so cool. And they will be filled with joy and gladness. That's wonderful. I love chapter 35 of Isaiah. It's beautiful. Now let's skip over to chapter 25. It's amazing how these parallel together. O Lord, I will honor and praise your name, for you are my God. You do such wonderful things. You planned them long ago, and now you have accomplished them. Cool. You turn mighty cities into heaps of ruins, and cities with strong walls are turned to rubble. Beautiful palaces and distant lands disappear and will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong nations will declare your glory, and ruthless nations will fear you. It's about time. But you are a tower of refuge to the poor, O Lord, a tower of refuge to the needy in distress. You are a refuge from the storm and a shelter from the heat. For the oppressive acts of ruthless people are like a storm beating against a wall, or like a relentless, uh, the relentless heat of the desert. But you silence the roar of foreign nations. This is what God's kingdom will come to do. As the shade of a cloud cools relentless heat, so the boastful songs of ruthless people are stilled. In Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. That sounds like great fun to me. A huge, huge feast. Can you imagine? It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. He, or There he will remove the cloud of gloom, the darkness we spoke of earlier, and the shadow of death that hangs over the earth, That's the shadow of death, this black smoke that will fill the atmosphere and cover the whole earth. 
He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. Wow, I want that. Yeah, that's for me. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. He's going to put an end to politics and this quibbling we have in the United States and other places like Australia and England and all over. It's just one of the characteristics of the end times. In that day, verse 9, chapter 25, Isaiah, In that day the people will proclaim, This is our God. We trusted in him, and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. So let us rejoice in the salvation he brings. For the Lord's hand of blessing will rest on Jerusalem, but Moab will be crushed. It will be like straw trampled down and left to rot. God will push down Moab's people as a swimmer pushes down water with his hands. He will end their pride and all their evil works. The high walls of Moab will be demolished and they will be brought down to the ground, down to the dust. Verse, or verse 1 of chapter 26, In that day everyone in the land of Judah, surrounding Jerusalem, the Jews, in other words, will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous and allow the faithful to enter. You will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in you and all those whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. And I encourage you to read the rest of this. This is a wonderful chapter. But I see by the clock that it's time to go. So... I hope you have a wonderful day. If you want, you can go to my website. Now, I don't have anything to sell there. Don't expect to see ads or any of that. I'm not trying to get your email. Go to the website, itellwhy.com or jesusiswhy.com. Either one will take you to the same place. You can read my eight books. You can print them. They're free, and they're all about Jesus about his salvation, about the future, about prophecy, about heaven and hell, and all the things that I think that you need to know. Not that I know everything. I'm just telling you what God said in the Bible. But this is Albert Hardy. I hope you have a great day. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.